Hey, everybody out there in Radio Land. This is Guaranteed Audio, episode 16. I am Kevin James, joined by my good friends... Ryan Murphy. And Neil Ciceriga. If you can't tell by that delay, we're actually recording remotely. Ryan and I are here in the same room in Kingston. Neil, you're up in Somerville, right? Yeah, I'm not just like, you know, <laughs> slow on the uptake. I uh, <laughs> We have to uh, travel via satellite to converse right now. Why is that? <laughs> we are kind of on the verge of i mean we're in the middle of the outbreak of the covid19 virus uh it is we're recording on the 28th of march right now uh things are changing fast yep. day to day uh hopefully you know by the time we get this up it's not just like why are they doing a podcast you know for all we know xlr cables become the new currency of the new world when this is all done and people will think that we're fools and wasting valuable resources. Um, we have a bit of a rat's nest here. We had a finagle of really oddball podcasting set up to get this sounding good. Um, if this is your first time listening to guaranteed audio, you can listen to every episode on iTunes and Google play and Google podcasts, or you can go to guaranteedaudio.com, which is where every episode is. And we have a bunch of videos and, you know, short films and behind-the-scenes featurettes, all that crazy crap. So, um, yeah, COVID-19, the coronavirus, it's the talk of the town. <laughs> um, Neil, you've been in Somerville. I've been in Kingston. Ryan, where have you been holding up? Well, this is my second weekend now returning to Kingston to see you and uh, check in on my parents. But beyond that, I've been in my own self-imposed quarantine, all of my own some, uh, in Sandwich, the first town right over the bridge on Cape Cod. Yeah. So I don't know. What's it been like for you guys? Like, how have you all been doing? Have you been, how good have you been about staying home? Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, you know, I have a two year old daughter. Um, so we, we take her out for little short walks, avoiding people, avoiding public areas, but just, you know, getting a little bit of fresh air and, uh, you know, we've been, you know, sending out for groceries and stuff, but for the most part, we've been, it, uh, I think, Basically three weeks quarantine because I was uh you know worried a little sooner than a lot of people were I think. Same. I I, I told my boss like I'm just gonna start working from home uh, a week before it all really hit the fan, and um yeah I copied over a lot of work <laughs> to a few external hard drives, brought them to my home office, and just sort of battened down as early as I could. Yeah, for me it's been pretty consistently since. Yeah, the uh, Monday, March 9th. So this is the end of week three. Jeez. Um, so have you been like, I don't know, like getting food delivered to you, Neil? <laughs> like, or do you stock up a lot when you go grocery shopping? No, I mean, we've just been like, you know, going to the grocery store, uh, you know, carefully and, you know, not more than we need to. But yeah, we've stocked up uh, a decent amount of uh, food because... Under normal circumstances, we eat out way too much, and um, you know that that has to change. I think uh, the uh, you know dine-in restaurants here in uh, the Boston area have been closed, aside from takeout for uh, since the was it Tuesday or something of the previous week, something like that. Yeah, Governor Baker put that in place uh, the seventeenth, which oh that reminds me, 
I have reason to suspect it was at the 17th he said, officially, schools are not to open until April 7th at the soonest in the great state of Massachusetts. And March 17th, for those of you who, for whom it's definitely not in your mind anymore, because it's already not on my mind, was St. Patrick's Day. And he had to put his foot down, I'm sure, to go, listen, take it seriously. Do not go out. You're not a hero for having St. fucking Patrick's Day. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that was kind of the wake-up call, I think, for uh, some people in local government that, oh, most people aren't taking this seriously. (laughs) I I think the school closed. That's like canceling Christmas in Boston. Yeah, yeah, but come on, St. Patrick's Day. They, uh... I, I think they changed the school cancellations to bounce back to even May 4th. At this As of now, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, since the initial April 7th deadline, they said it's May 4th now, and we'll play it by ear from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been quiet. Um, I personally have been appreciating not having to commute. I've been able to work from home. I'm very fortunate with the work, kind of work I do that I can do it remotely. I'm able to edit video uh, and work on podcasts and things like that, 9 to 5. And I'm saving two hours a day. Um, I think the silver lining here with this whole situation is that when we get to the other side of this, I do think a lot of people are going to be able to make far more concrete, irrefutable arguments that, hey, no, I should be able to do my job from home more frequently. I shouldn't have to commute in. We shouldn't all have to be in these office buildings. Basically, what I'm getting at is I think this is going to be good for telecommuting in the future. I think that seeing how much productivity has been maintained presently is going to affect a lot of businesses in in a positive way. I I think more people should be allowed to work from home. I think commuting is a uh, tax on our public transportation systems. And I think it's a, it's a real mood killer. Like spending an hour or two a day, just getting to and from work uh, takes away from things you could be doing with your family or working out or, you know, personal hobbies. (laughs) I gotta say, uh, before the time of the virus, which is what we are currently in, uh, the Attorney General of Massachusetts, Miss Maura Healy, uh, was on NPR on the Jim and Marjorie show, and she was t- she made some really interesting points. So specifically, number one, Massachusetts, Boston, Boston has the worst traffic of any city in America, and it is the eighth in the world meaning there are only seven cities in the entire world with worse traffic than Boston, Massachusetts. That is terrible. Now, again, traffic is the least of so many people's concerns these days, but there is something to be said for, well, Kevin, you were commuting to the worst traffic in America. Yep, in America. And now you're not. (laughs) My, My silver lining here is going to be, we currently live in a culture where... A lot of people are hustled and bullied and pressured, pressured, maybe more so than bullied. They're pressured into coming into work when they're sick or when they're not operating. They are pressured to come back before they're 100% recovered. I think we're going to go to a world where I hope we end up in a world where when you say I'm calling out sick, the powers that be say, go take care of yourself. I'm trying to find the silver lining in a lot of this because obviously it's very scary right now for a lot of people. and. It has been kind of nice, you know. I've been I've been in my hometown of Kingston the last few weeks, and I've seen a lot more people just out and about jogging and you know going on long walks around town. More than I mean, I've 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 known Kingston my whole life, and I think it's because people are working from home, they're confined to their homes, and it is safe to go out and you know walk your dog and go for a run yeah. as long as you're not doing it, you know, you know, holding hands with people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's been kind of nice. I do think people are, um, you know. Get, uh, forcing themselves just to like walk and do things like that. 
Um, but yeah, uh, so obviously we've all had a lot of time to kill, <laughs> which brings me to our first segment, Media Current. Uh, what has everyone been doing Like with all this downtime indoors? Have we all been like playing more video games, watching movies? What have you guys been up to? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Um, for me, it's not really more downtime. I already worked from home. What has changed now is uh, I can't really uh, get babysitters. So I, if anything, I have a little bit less time now because uh, I'm just, uh, you know, me and uh, my wife are watching our kid all day. And um, uh, that being said, especially, you know, in the early days of uh, grappling with this, you know, oncoming virus and getting pretty depressed and, you know, anxious over it, I, uh, I turned to Murder, She Wrote, which uh, the first, <laughs> I think, five seasons are on Amazon Prime. And I just whenever I wanted to stop thinking about, uh, you know, world events, I would uh, just throw on an episode of Murder, She Wrote, which is a, you know... That's such an Amazon Prime show. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... I if, if MacGyver was still on Amazon Prime, I would have been watching that, too. It's like the same era. But mm. yeah, Murder, She Wrote is uh, Angela yeah. Lansbury, who is still alive. And um, she's been old our entire lives, right? <laughs> she's got the Steve Martin gene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a it's a cozy mystery, but it is very much 80s television to the point where she had crossover episodes with Magnum P.I. And uh, I saw right. that. I've seen that episode. It's the only episode I've seen of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> uh, the episodes I like are the ones set in Maine, uh, Cabot Cove, um, and... Uh, fewer episodes than you think um because she's they're always saving money and just filming in hotels and you know just like oh i'm in i'm in canada this episode um but, but the ones that are shot on location in maine are uh are nice and you get uh tom bosley from the happy days as her kind of as her watson um and yeah, yeah. they they strike that they strike that um uh a little bit morbid but not really upsetting tone that cozy mysteries always do have you watched any columbo i i started to watch some of it but i felt it was like a little too gritty in 70s for me and i was like i need something a little more uplifting so let's fast forward into the optimistic reagan era of uh of um <laughs> murder she wrote where everybody's just you know fairly happy aside from the murders I grew up in a Columbo household. My father watched the old Wild Wild West reruns in Columbo when I was a kid. Those were our TV shows. What about you, Ryan? Did you grow up in a, in a Murder, She Wrote? Or Oh, yeah. It was a Murder, She Wrote and when ooh, on a really spicy, like a Saturday night, it's Wings. <laughs> With Tim Daly. <laughs> I like Tim Daly. Tony Shalhoub's on Wings. He was so great, yeah. So not to peel back the curtain too much, but we have like a like a cheat sheet for every episode of Guaranteed Audio, like a spine that we look at while we're talking. I think most podcasts do. You also have Scooby-Doo written here. You've been watching Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is basically uh, murder mysteries for kids. And um, my daughter has recently... Everyone knows what the hell Scooby-Doo is. You don't need to explain what Scooby-Doo <laughs> so, um, Yeah, my daughter has been really into Scooby-Doo lately. And I love Scooby-Doo. We, I mean, d did we all grow up? watching the old like 60s 70s episodes oh yeah a little bit so you're is that what you're watching because there's like 10 or 12 scooby-doo shows there's so many and i the, i remember the themes from more of them than i realized uh like into the into yeah. the 80s uh th the one i like the best the is the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo which has basically vincent price as a main character 
I, I have seen that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But ge- in general, I, I love Scooby-Doo because especially in HD now, you can see all the little imperfections oh. and scratches on the cells. And just watching it is like, oh, I know exactly how they made this show and, and photographed it. It's 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 a pretty cool piece of history. The recycled animations and all that. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. You can see like the like someone's if they're just animating someone's mouth, like it's got a slightly different color to it and stuff. <laughs> Now, Neil, here's not to put you on the spot, but the original voice of Shaggy and Scooby was Casey Kasem, correct? Not uh, not Scooby. I think Scooby and Fred were uh, Frank Welker, who to this day, I believe, yeah. still, oh, right, still right. does. Frank, uh, Frank Welker is like one of the most prolific uh, animal voice artists out there. But I think his first gig back in 1969 was Fred. And uh, I think he still does Fred. What about you, Ryan? What have you been uh, sucking down lately? What have you been watching? Wouldn't it be terrible if I like came prepared with Scooby Doo and I'm like sweating like my notes are bad? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, all right, I'm gonna take us off to, to a darker place than Scooby Doo or the weirdly tone deaf nature of Murder She Wrote. Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan, but for a show about weekly murders, it's about murders. Uh, the, the the theme song the lightheartedness, the way that the cops just let her ride on these things. She's <laughs> complicit, not complicit, but she's involved with a lot of investigations. Well, imagine if like, you know, like say like you're like, like your son gets killed and the cops are over your house and then Angela Lansbury is there and you're like, hey, who's that? And they're like, oh, you know, it's just this uh, old lady who shows up and uh, helps us sometimes. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's basically like, oh, by the way, Dean Koontz <laughs> is going to help out with the, uh, with the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, okay, so you haven't been watching Scooby-Doo or Murder, She Wrote. I was, it was suggested to me by a friend and co-worker, uh, a woman named Joni LeMay, they, when I was saying, I'm watching Star Trek Discovery, but it's, it's just kind of joyless. And she said, then just stop wasting your time. Watch Succession. It's great. And I went, all right, great. I'll, I'll do that. What am I thinking? So I began to watch the show for which Brian Cox won the Golden Globe this year for Best Actor, uh, Succession. And it's about... The Roy family, who are, they own a huge media conglomerate, and at the beginning of season one, there's only two seasons, the beginning of season one, uh, he is supposed to, Brian Cox's character is supposed to retire, and after a series of events, he chooses not to. And it's really about the way that he has manipulated his four adult children into competing with and backstabbing each other to vie for his attention. It's a really toxic family. Yeah, There's elements here of, I'm not going to ruin the show because I, I just, I opened with, it's great. I recommend it. Again, yeah. we're not getting any succession money here, but it's, <laughs> it's just a good show. Yeah. There's plenty of Trumpisms in that his adult children just suck. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some you root for at times and some you just go like, no, don't open that door. But that, but, and they, they always do because they're, they're not well-rounded people, and it's a really well-written show and a really well-acted show. Uh, and there's also a lot of Rupert Murdoch, because yeah. this massive conglomerate owns uh, a fictional news network called ATN that the audience realizes pretty quickly, like, oh, this is a stand-in for Fox. It's Fox. Now, I'm getting a lot of Eric T- Trump and Donald Trump Jr., among other vibes, from the kids. Uh, of the four of them, the oldest is actually the actor who played Cameron 
uh, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, oh, and he really? was in Speed. Alan Ruck. Thank you. Yeah, he he's good. He plays a bipolar character whose bipolarism it's not funny. It's like it's dark. Uh, then there's a younger brother, uh, Ken, uh, who's I guess the closest thing we have to a main character. Yeah. The sister Siobhan, who is uh, has to be ruthless because she's in a very competitive world. And honestly, my favorite is portray is named Roman, and it's played by Kieran Culkin, Macaulay Culkin's talented brother. And he uh, he steals every scene he's in. Yeah, uh, as Kevin and I have discussed, he was uh, uh, in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He was actually the kid in Signs yeah. back in the early Joaquin days when Mel Gibson was a hero. Yeah, a lot has changed <laughs> oh, yeah. in the world. but uh... <laughs> <laughs> that, sh- that show is actually produced by Adam McKay and Will yeah. Ferrell. Yeah, Will Ferrell's a producer, and it it doesn't read like his sensitivities at all. Yeah, no, Every time his name yeah. is there in the opening credits, I go, "Oh, yeah, that's right." Did you see the Big Short? Because they produced that. Yeah, yeah, I love the Big Short. No, not yet. Well, I will because I have a lot of time now. <laughs> Brian Cox is great. Well, I'm definitely going to check this show out because this sounds pretty good. I've, yeah, my boss recommended it to me. Every time it comes up around my boss, uh, this guy Jay, I won't get too much into my boss, but I really like my boss. And uh, every time this show comes up, his eyes light up. He's a huge fan. Ryan Ryan's also like been glowing about it. I should check it out. Um, are, are you all caught up on Succession? Like, have you watched? Yeah, tragically, uh, only two seasons so far. Like every other production that I, I'm excited about, like Handmaid's Tale or This Is Us or other media I consume, I'm sure every production is delayed. Every they have to be. So season three will be emerging. Dot 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 question mark. I don't know. Is there anything that was coming out this summer that either of you are bummed out is getting delayed? Because like, I, 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 the latest Fast and the Furious movie got a year delay. Um, I know Wonder Woman and uh, Black Widow both got delayed to the end of the summer. I, I assume Ghostbusters is going to get delayed. What about the new James Bond with Rami Malek as a villain? That got that... bounced back to November, Oof, which is right. usually when they come out anyway. But they were just they were so ready to launch that movie that Daniel Craig still hosted SNL last hmm. month. Oh really? Yeah, in preparation, like literally the the like the week he hosted was when they announced they were delaying it. So he still hosted the show. What about you, Neil? Is there anything you've been uh, waiting really. on that is going to get mean, bounced Before back? all of this, there weren't any movies that yeah. I was particularly jazzed for. So no biggie. I I just go to the movies yeah. less often than I used to. I, I'm upset that a uh, trash night is has gone digital now. Local bad movie. Uh, yes. Um, screenings. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't care about James. Yeah, Bond. trash trash nights. This wonderful thing they do once a month at the Brattle Theater in uh, Harvard Square, Boston. We've probably talked about it in the show before, but they show a very bad, usually direct to VHS movie at the theater, and everyone's encouraged to come up and just you know make fun of the movie on screen. Um, but yeah, they've had to do it remotely for obvious reasons recently. Um, but yeah, Ryan, have you been check, uh, checking out anything else other than Succession? Uh. Well, as I said a little earlier, uh, I was disappointed with Star Trek Discovery, so yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> no one's talking about it. Uh, I, I dropped it in lieu of succession. Uh, I have finished Star Trek Picard, which was more of a... It's a good way for Patrick Stewart to get one last hurrah of this character. I'm actually impressed with the way that he... I'm not a huge fan of Star Trek Picard and the Romulans and the Borg and uh, other plot point, other other points of interest without ruining the story. But what I've actually been having a lot of fun with is I have been playing 
in anticipation for the remake of Resident Evil 3 that is still supposed to come out April 4th? It's coming out very soon. Very Yeah, within the, rec- the date of this recording, March 28th, it should be coming out pretty soon. I've been playing the really, really fun remake of Resident Evil 2 to kind of get back in the vibe, get so familiarized. Good. So good. I love Res- that Resident Evil. I love Resident Evil 2 to begin with, but the remake was just perfect. Neil, did we ever make you watch any of Resident Evil 2, the remake? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's it's really good, and I think probably the thing you'd be most charmed by in the remake is that they maintained the aesthetic of the original game in that it's 1998 small-town mm-hmm. America as portrayed through Japanese artists. You know, like so like if you really look at the cop cars, they don't really look like American cop cars. They're still a little Japanese looking, if that makes any sense. Like, like it really has that exact flavor of what America looked like in a mid-budget video game in the late '90s that was coming out of Japan, and I, I find that super charming that they were able to keep that flavor oh, intact. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Kevin? What have you been watching? So, uh, when I work from home, um, I'm usually editing video, and uh, a lot of my work will, inv- I can put on podcasts and just other passive media. And I recently discovered this YouTube series called Zach Morris is Trash. Have either of you seen this show? No. Not yet, but you got my ear. It's great. It's it's from Funny or Die, I believe. And uh, it's just this really funny show where someone goes through each episode of Saved by the Bell <laughs> and explains the plot. You know, you can do it in like four minutes each episode. There's not a lot of story to Saved by the Bell, right? Uh, and Saved by the Bell, for those of you who don't know, was like a early, early 90s, like, it was like a sitcom for kids that was just made to be syndicated, right? Super low budget, super basic. There's like three sets. Yep. And Zach Morris was the protagonist. And this entire YouTube show is just pointing out how much of an asshole Zach Morris is. <laughs> and Because literally everything he does sucks. Like, every <laughs> single thing he does sucks is the thesis of this show. And it's just on fire. Like every sentence that comes out of the host's mouth is wonderful. Um, I think Medium wrote an article about the show a couple of years ago that said it's the greatest thing on the internet. (laughs) Um, It's been going for about three years, I want to say. Yeah, I I really like the show. It's super funny. Um, It just highlights how um, much more woke culture is now. And it's it's hard to imagine going back to 1992 and people thinking, no, this guy's a great protagonist. He's not like a sociopathic, abusive jerk who treats all his female friends like eye candy. And then you you watch these play-by-plays of these episodes, and it's terrifying <laughs> um, to think that this guy was like a charmer that kids looked up to. I I don't know. Did either of you ever watch Saved by the Bell, or, or were we too young? Oh, yeah, I watched Saved by the Bell. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Zach, yeah, the character was big enough that like a kid would dress up as him for Halloween. Definitely. Yeah. Neil, did you ever watch I, Saved by the Bell? I, I don't think I really did. I mean, they had the, I, I figure Screech was like the, you know, the Urkel of the show, like, hey, little kids, you know, like this is a funny show for you, but it never worked on me. I never uh, really tuned in. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like it as a kid, and uh, but check it out. Zach Morris's trash is pretty funny. Now, Kevin, to, to refresh my memory. Did Zach, did the character break the fourth wall and talk to us? Yeah, he was a Ferris Bueller knockoff. Okay, okay. yeah. All right. And he always brought his cell phone to school and stuff like that. And he was always trying to, like, get with Kelly Kapowski. Uh, It it, it was, I mean, it was a harmless show, but uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. It was harmful because Zach Morris is trash and he was the protagonist of it. Um, 
something more contemporary that I watched was uh, The Invisible Man. I saw The Invisible Man in theaters two weeks before uh, COVID-19 went down, and now it's available on Amazon and other rental platforms because, you know, you can't go to a movie theater right now, so might as well just distribute movies right to home. Um, And I I actually am interested to see how that affects the movie industry uh, by the end of this year. If if Me too. Elizabeth Moss got robbed, and I can say that for everyone else who's getting robbed right now. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, so this is the thing about the Invisible Man movie. It only cost $7 million to make, and it made 40 in its first, like, five days. Nice. So it was a yeah. hit, right? Um, but uh, two weeks in, it wasn't in theater. You know, you couldn't really go to a movie theater to see it, right? So it was in theaters for two weeks, right? Um, Invisible Man is fantastic. I r- heard really good things about it. I did not watch the trailer for it um, because I heard Elizabeth Moss is going to be in an Invisible Man remake. And that's all I needed to know to go see it. And apparently if you watch the trailer before seeing the movie, it ruins the movie. So don't watch the trailer. Um, It's great. It's a great way to turn me too into a horror film. Um, uh, It's a, it's fantastically suspenseful. Elizabeth Moss is a great actor. Uh, We've talked about her before in this show with the hands made uh, handmade tale and uh, mad men. But um, I think both of you should watch it. It is stressful. It is genuinely spooky. It's got a mystery element to it. Um, and it earns its two hours. It never gets boring. It never becomes the same plot device over and over again. It's not just like the, the movie knows when to move into a new gear of suspense, if that makes any sense. Uh, it's very clever. It's very minimalist, and it's the kind of horror film I hope to see more of. That's nice. Well, you are known as a, to, to me at least, you're a, you're always a good recommend recommender for thriller and horror uh, fair. Kevin. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I try not to be too much of a picky ear, but you know, we've talked on this show before about some of the recently super well-acclaimed horror films. Um, and I am frequently disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, this movie though, just, it does what I like about good fiction. And that is it takes m- m- the modern world and it says something about it through fiction, you know? like what good science fiction should do. And this movie is a science fiction film. Um, highly recommend it. And uh, my last bit of media current, let me know if I'm going too long, is I finally watched the Creep Show TV show. Hey. Did either of you even know this was a thing? Uh, because you, actually, you introduced me to it. It's on Shudder, correct? Yeah, it's on like that like horror network thing you can get through Amazon. I, and- yeah, I had no idea until you mentioned it the other day to me, Kevin. And I'm probably a bigger Creep Show fan than most people. Yeah, it's there's so this is the biggest bummer. There's only six episodes of this show, Creep Show, right? And each episode has two segments. It's an hour long. And for those of you who don't know what Creep Show is, Creep Show was this wonderful early '80s horror anthology film. They made three of them. Only two of them matter. The third one was some garbage that was licensed out. That's apparently really bad. Um, but what caught my attention was the first segment of the first episode was based off a Stephen King short story uh, that was in Night Shift, a collection of his stories, called Gray Matter. And I heard that they made Gray Matter into a short film for a show, and it turned out it was for the Creep Show show. And I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh yeah, they made they made a Creep Show show. Um, and it's pretty good. Um, the show itself, uh, the first episode is not the best episode. Um, but they lead with the first episode because it's probably the most popular um, story they have. It's probably the most famous story they have. A lot of the other ones are original stories. 
Um, there are some fun guest stars. Um, there's uh, who plays Gustavo Fring in uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, he's in Gray Matter. Um, he's the the um, the short on uh, Creep Show. Um, Adriana Barbeau's in it. Um, nice. Dana Gould's in it. Just a bunch of fun people, and it it just nails what you want out of Creep Show. I, I don't even think Creep Show Two gets the tone of Creep Show right. Mm-hmm. Personally, I I think the amount of fun, garish lighting. Uh, genuinely, like I wouldn't say over the top gore, but like that really thick. Um, how do I put it? It's not Evil Dead style. It's like gore. costume shop gore. Right? Yes, thank you. Yes, that's exactly the way to label it. The show gets that, and it nails it every episode. And it frames itself around as if this were an old pulp comic, right? Yes, it maintains that too. Um, the, the 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 creep, the host. That's like. That predates uh, the the uh, the uh, crypt keeper. The crypt keeper. He he's mute. He is a puppet. Um, there's puppetry. There's stop motion. There's really lo-fi, old school special effects in almost every episode. Um, it's fun. It's it's a fun show. It's not a perfect show, um, but I burned through it in like three nights. Um, and I really wish the second season would come out soon because I could use it right about now. But I, yeah, I recommend. It. I think both of you guys would really like it. Nice. Yeah, definitely. We'll check that out. Now, Kevin, I, I'm a little sad that you um, didn't do Invisible Man last, because that would be a good transition to our next segment. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, I should have thought that out. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls at home, uh, we have been thinking about different podcast ideas and different types of pop culture memes and tropes, because as you know, Guaranteed Audio often is kind of a potpourri of different things that we discuss. But we're, the three of us, as creators and collaborators, are always interested in memes and tropes and patterns in film and television and other media. And something that I've been really interested in for a long time is the unseen character. Now, I'm going specifically for TV shows here yeah. because I think it's better when they're a recurring presence. And specifically, I'm going to do a quiz here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to host... And I'm going to go back and forth between Kevin and Neil. The points are meaningless. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to open this up here. This first question is a little different, but it's going to go to Kevin. Okay. In the hit television show, Cheers. Yes. Norm Peterson's wife, who is only seen on screen once throughout the run of the show. Yeah. Under what circumstances do we, quote unquote, see her? A. As a surprise cameo guest star in the series finale portrayed by Daryl Hannah. Okay. B. When we hear her voice from the news station helicopter as she takes control of the vehicle and chases Norm across Boston Common. <laughs> C. In the famous Thanksgiving at Carla's episode where she is heard off screen and then has a pie thrown in her face. <laughs> or D. When she is heard through the curtain at Mass General Hospital after giving birth to twins, both of whom cartoonishly look like Norm. <laughs> These are all plausible for sitcom fodder. I don't think D is would be is very cheers, though. A seems very cheers. I'm going to go with A. A, as a surprise cameo guest star in the series finale, we see her as actually being Daryl Hannah. I'm afraid incorrect, uh, Kevin. Damn, so again, damn. the rules and points are arbitrary. Neil, would you like to try between B, C, or D? Uh, I'm going to say uh, C. She gets hit with a pie. Correct. Damn. 
That was my second guess. <laughs> Norm's unseen wife, Vera, whom Norm is always at the bar avoiding, even though apparently, as we learn through the context of, of Norm's discussion, uh, she's a really wonderful person. And they have an on-again, off-again relationship. They get separated. They get, they get back together again. There's a lot in the great saga that is Norm. All right, I'm going to skip around a little. Neil, here is the next question. On the television show, Twin Peaks, Agent Dale Cooper speaks <laughs> into his uh, voice recording microphone to his secretary back at the, uh, uh, I almost said F. Lee Bailey. No, at the <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover building, the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. Whom is Agent Dale Cooper dictating to? A. Claudia. B. Everybody's favorite waitress. C. Susie. Or D. Diane. I believe it's D. Diane. Neil has two for two. It is Diane. Diane is never seen on Twin Peaks. She is only aforementioned through the age, through Kyle McLaughlin's character, Agent Dale Cooper. We never meet Diane. She was going to be in the Twin Peaks movie Fire Walk With Me, Mm -hmm. but then they decided, eh, no, we will never quite meet Diane. Yeah. All right. Question number three, going back to Kevin. All righty. On the hit spinoff of the television show Cheers, Frasier, arguably the most successful spinoff ever. Frasier's brother, Dr. Niles Crane, has a wife at the beginning of the show whom he separates from so that he can be with Daphne. Her name is A. Deirdre. B. Maris. C. Fran. Or D. Sophie. I only know this because of The Simpsons, and it's B. Because she's referenced in a Sideshow Bob, Sideshow Cecil episode. Cecil Terwilliger, correct. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That is right. Uh, but yeah, Maris is described as cartoonishly thin. She can literally get between the bars of a prison cell when she's arrested. She is deathly pale. She eats like less than a hummingbird. And although we never see Maris on screen, the, the closest we ever get is for a short run. Uh, Niles gets a weird little miniature greyhound that just refuses to listen to anything he says. And it's just a sad, dopey, skinny little dog that they joke about. It's just like Maris. <laughs> so, moving on. Ah, Well, again, I, I want to make enough questions. Neil, this is for you. Okay. Um, in the wonderful television program, Home Improvement, <laughs> Tim the Toolman Taylor gets a lot of sagely advice from the father-like figure whom we never see the full face of and between the fence between their yards and a bunch of other stupid psychic gimmicks his neighbor is a morgan b truman c wilson or d samson this is such a softball uh <laughs> it's a uh, it's c wilson correct ding 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 <laughs> It is Wilson. Wilson portrayed by the lovely, lovable actor who was the father on the Munsters, among many other programs. Uh, just a great guy whose name escapes me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you built up all that going. I know he know passed away. Guy. He did. And he was just... Fred something. No, that's not Fred Gwynn. That's not Fred Gwynn. Played was by... he on... No, played was by... Was he on like a remake of the Munsters? Earl Hindman. Ah, yes. not, so that, yeah, he wasn't on the Monsters. You could have you could have fooled me though. I had to think about it for a minute. He was not the father from the Monsters. No, they sound similar though. Well, look at that. Fred Gwynn would have cleared that fence. Yeah, 
with him. Yeah, you're right. He was a he was a tall man even without the Frankenstein prosthetics. He was just a very tall man. <laughs> Much less interesting character. Can you imagine coming in for the audition? You put the hat on and they have you stand next to the fence and you're towering over it and you're like, fuck, I'm not getting this job. <laughs> Tim Allen's such such a jerk. He's like, yeah, it makes me look too small. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, make more scenes where I get to spit on Al. Like, yeah, he's. Just, I, I'm not gonna talk about the dynamics of Home Improvement all day. But <laughs> look at that! I confused and conflated those actors in my mind. In my mind's eye, that was the father from the Monsters. Well, yeah. now I'm gonna picture that every time I see Wilson, which will probably never be a thing that happens to me again. <laughs> It's true. You never will see Wilson. Very true. Kevin, on the original run, not talking about this modern 21st century remake, on the original run of Magnum P.I., mm-hmm. Thomas Magnum, portrayed <laughs> by Tom Selleck, is head of security at the mansion of a famous writer who, as we discussed earlier, is apparently friends with Angela Lansbury's character for Murder, She Wrote, and yes, they do, in fact, have a crossover. Thomas Magnum lives in a mansion and drives his Ferrari, solving mysteries with his old Vietnam buddy friends, uh, TC and Rick, and he's always being stifled by this stuffed shirt British butler named Higgins. But Magnum, throughout the entire run of the show, thinks that Higgins is actually secretly, while valuing his privacy, the guy who really owns the the mansion, and that he's just pretending to be his own butler. Whose mansion does Thomas Magnum live in? A. Logan McClellan. B. Robin Masters. C. Zoe Shannon. Or D. Cedric Evers. It's a complete shot in the dark because I don't remember. I'm going to say B. Ding, ding, ding. Robin Masters is correct. Complete guess. It just sounded like the kind of name that you might ascribe to a British butler. (laughs) Yeah, we we never see Robin Masters. We allegedly receive mail from him. Thomas Magnum is a detective and tries to like compare notes and things and handwriting. But note, we never find the true identity of Robin Masters. I'd love to ask Magnum PI, so what are your qualifications? And he'd be like, oh, you know, I was in Vietnam. <laughs> I have a car. <laughs> All right, Neil, another softball. But it's yes. not so much about who this character is, but about what they stand for, and how bad you can muck this up. On the wonderful children's animated program, Doug, <laughs> there is an unseen character referenced only by Bibi, the, the daughter of the mayor. Vote for me. And we'll get to this, but... Incorrect. I'm, oh, I'm listening. Bibi's father... Bibi's father is, I think, just a, a, a business owner... The mayor's a different guy. Oh, you're right. Mr. The mayor's The mayor's son was an idiot, and the mayor loses to uh, Mrs. Dink. <laughs> yes, but but continue. BB refers to a unseen character who is the validation like, oh, well, if X knows it, it must be cool. It must be good. X in this question is A, Dougie Ingrown. B, Spinner Pooch. C, Skunky Beaumont. Or D, Petey Goon. Well, I certainly know. First of all, good um, good work coming up with fake Doug character names. This was the most fun I had, I agree. There is a certain art to it, but it is um, uh, Skunky Beaumont. Ding, ding, ding. Skunky Beaumont is correct. Now, in the original Nickelodeon Nicktoons run of Doug, as Doug 
Rugrats, and Ren and Stimpy were the original three Nicktoons, original content for the Nickelodeon television network. Doug was then sold to Disney as part of Disney's Saturday morning run on a- ABC, I believe. Uh, Neil, why don't you tell us how they fucking ruin Skunky Beaumont? <laughs> they make him a character that you can see, and he's in the show. Correct. Skunky Beaumont, as it turns out, is sort of a poor man Spinelli from Fast, Fast Times at Richmond High. He's a surfer dude. He's not that cool, which is, defeats the point. We, you should never show these people, or if they do, it should be a great payoff, instead of just Skunky Beaumont is just another kind of shitty guy. They should have... I'm just thinking about Wilson again. <laughs> Good. Uh, they should have revealed his face... And it should have been like the Phantom of the Opera, you know? <laughs> He's like horribly deformed. Like he doesn't have a jaw. He just has a tongue sticking out of like a hole. <laughs> Actually, I, I remember as a kid, um, because they wouldn't just hide Wilson behind the fence. They would, um, they'd come up with other clever ways of obscuring his face. Oh, yeah. But yeah. oftentimes you would be able to see like part of his face, half of his face here and there. And I remember thinking I was very clever as a kid for uh, for kind of like, mentally piecing his face together from the different bits that you could see like photoshop stitching again, it like, in yeah, your mind's no eye. Real mystery yeah. there you can tell yeah he's just he's just kind of like a middle-aged guy you know wow and part of the part of the magic of a character like that there's not a lot of magic in home improvement gotta make that clear but part of the magic is you couldn't at the time at the time at the time you couldn't just look him up you couldn't just go on the internet and go like, oh, that's the actor who portrays Wilson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as a child watching it, it really was kind of a mystery. Like, ooh, maybe maybe this week he'll slip. Like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, they'll catch that. <laughs> All right, this one is to Kevin. And uh, this is the interesting thing because this is an unseen character until you do. Okay. On one of the three original Nicktoons, Rugrats, mm-hmm. Tommy Pickles' mother swears as her Bible in terms of child rearing, the works and literature of a character mm-hmm. who is a child psychiatrist yep. named A, Dr. Leibowitz, B, Dr. Lipschitz, C, Dr. Labatton, or D, Dr. Lineman. Dr. Lipschitz, B. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Correct. He was on the show. And yep, like I said, he is off the show until he's not. <laughs> now, it's kind of okay to eventually give this away. It was. It wasn't so much a ooh, what's Doctor Lipschitz going to be like, or ooh, or I guess if anything, there. It always struck me as interesting, even as like a, a pre ten year old child, like you know six, seven, eight years old. Like yeah. they almost just said shit on a. Yeah, nickname. I thought. I always thought that. I always thought this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember thinking like, hey, <laughs> they're saying shit on Rugrats. They're going to stop them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone call the cops. (laughs) Eventually, we do see Dr. Lipschitz. He comes to their home, and Tommy and uh, Stu, you know, Phil and Lil, and I I guess Angelica, when, yeah, uh, and... Chucky. Thank you, Chucky. Good Lord. Uh, They all somehow, I don't remember the context. I I won't spoil it. Watch the episode yourself. Mm -hmm. All right, Kevin, the last question. So, Neil. Now, Neil, Mm -hmm. you have watched plenty of Seinfeld, correct? Uh, Not as much as you'd think. Here and there. Okay. Well, a lot of people know the character we never see but hear, Mr. George Steinbrenner, George Costanza's boss, the, the, the manager of the Yankees, is portrayed by Larry David. So we only see him from like an overhead, like from behind his chair. Right. We see him talking to George. 
But there is another character that is discussed but never seen, and it's uh, it's Kramer's friend. And Kramer is a friend named A. Bob Sacamano, B. Jimmy Taylor, C. Georgie Nokeefe, or D. You know, Benny. Uh, I th- uh, I, I can I do think- him again. No, 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 it's okay. Uh, the the first one, A, sounded like the most... It, it's r- a, rang although a I had a lot of... Ding, ding, ding. Although I had a lot of fun coming up with a play on words of Georgia O'Keefe with a man named Georgie Nokeefe <laughs> and something, you know, Benny, which is something that they would have said in the context of the show. Yeah. Bob Sacamano is a character we never see. He is allegedly even weirder and crazier and less employed than Kramer. We never meet <laughs> less employed than Kramer. <laughs> he has like all these crazy things. Like, uh, I feel like he had his nipples removed, or like, yeah, they electrocute him and a brain skate. Like, there's all these bizarre things that Kramer alludes to, t- discusses, but describes, but we, the audience, never see. All right, moving on. And we're gonna like, go a little quicker here. Kevin, yes, uh, on the television program Parks and Rec, yes. A character we never see, but is described uh, within the context of the program. A. Samantha Jenny. B. Richard Nygaard. C. Michael Harrison. Or D. Dean Cable. All good names. I've never watched the show. I'm going to say A. A. Samantha Jenny. I'm afraid not. Neil, like... you have the chance to take it away. That is a great name. We need to use that at some point. Uh, I. It's been too long since I've watched the show. So I'm just going to guess uh, D. D, Dean Cable? Yes. I'm afraid not, but uh, I, I, again, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I think I came up with some good, slightly ridiculous yeah. within the universe of Leslie Nope. Yeah. Uh, that leaves, tell you what, going back to Kevin, uh, we got B, B, Richard Nygaard, or C, Michael Harrison. I'll do B. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Richard Nygaard. Yeah. Is never seen. Old Dick Nygaard. All right, Neil. Yes. Neil, this is either a total roll in the dice or, well, you tell me. On the television program, Babylon 5. Yep. Mm. <laughs> there is an unseen alien. His name is A. Zecharon. <laughs> B. Rudin Cash. <laughs> D. Kosh Naranek. Mm-hmm. Or D. Zin Kareen. All good names. Yeah, I have no idea. So I'm gonna say, what was what was C again? Kosh Naranek. That sounds like one that you made up. Uh, but a lot of the answers so far have been C. So I'm gonna guess C. You are cr- well. Thank you. Uh, I guess Zekaron <laughs> is just as good a Babylon Five character. But yes, C. Kosh Naranek is described by all the stupid ripoff of Star Trek show that I don't care about. Uh, but we never see him. There's another point to Neil. I realize right now that I'm a couple of questions deep and I've not been keeping track of points. But it's not about the points. It's about you, the audience, learning something. This is a fun category. All right, Kevin. Yes. On the television program, My So-Called Life, there is another skunky Beaumont type who is, quote, so cool that if X knows about it, it must be good. That's the Claire Danes show, right? Uh, I would have to refresh. Uh, Either way, yeah, yeah. Is it A, Jimbo, B, Tino, C, Mambo, or D, Kelso? Tino. 
Tino is correct. Yeah. Very good. I remember that name. Jimbo is clearly no one. No one named Jimbo has ever been cool. Jimbo's one of the bullies from The Simpsons, and D. Kelso from uh, that '70s show, who is seen many times, played by Ashton Kutcher. All right, Neil. I know you never actually watched the television show The Sopranos, right. but too bad. <laughs> now, although James Gandolfini's character Tony Soprano is the protagonist. And it's the star of the show. And throughout the context of season one, he goes from being one of the the capos, a captain, to being the acting head of the family. On paper, the real head of the family is actually never seen and is in prison throughout the entire run of the show. And the character, it's kind of a thing within their, you know, the uh, the Cosa Nostra, within organized crime, that they, they people get locked up. People go to prison. They never talk. They never squeal. And no one, nobody ever goes to visit them. It's very rare. Sometimes wives, sometimes children. But made men never go inside. So we never see A, Anthony Mordorelli. B, Christopher Moltisanti. C, Jimmy DeFrazo. Or D, Eckley DeMeo. Hmm. Uh, I have no idea, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the C technique that I'm using. Uh, in this case, I'm afraid not. Uh, Jimmy DeFranzo, not the case. You dummy. So, Kevin, I'm gonna read him again for you. Watch, watch, watch me work, Neil. It's B, Ryan. It is not uh, Christopher Maltasanti. I'm afraid. <laughs> it is not. So, we're gonna back to A, Anthony Mordorelli, or D, Eckley DeMeo. What was it? Kosh Navarak or whatever. <laughs> Babylon 5 character. Uh, a. All right, we're shooting a thousand. You're batting a thousand. Uh, it's at, it's D, Eckley DeMeo, based on the real-life gangster Giovanni Rigi. Cool. So, uh, that was good. You know, it, it's too many of these have been a little too easy. <laughs> and our final question to Kevin, because yeah. it's time to wrap this up. Gotcha. On the Mary Tyler Moore show. We're going way back. Oh, shit. I haven't watched that show. Okay. On the Mary Tyler Moore show, the character of Phyllis Lindstrom's husband... Is Dr. George Lindstrom, Dr. Peter Lindstrom, Dr. Benny Lindstrom, or Dr. Lars Lindstrom? Like many of these, I've never seen the show, so I'm going to say A. A, Dr. George Lindstrom. I'm actually looking it up right now because (laughs) I, again, just want to make the quiz longer. (laughs) No. So, Neil, you have the chance to take it away. Uh, Lars? Ding, ding, ding. Correct. It is Dr. Lars Lindstrom from a program that only Neil watched from uh, Nick at Night. Possibly. I'm not not sure if I watched it. (laughs) Very well. Well, (laughs) I got to say, you both did great. All that really matters is the audience at home learns something. We went into a little depth of some of the characters and uh, plenty of, you know, filler. Uh, The last time I can remember a character with the, the unseen character was the morbidly obese, unseen mother of a character in The Big Bang Theory. I think this is some bad fat-shaming jokes. I think it's a bad show, and that show's not on my list. They did that same exact joke on the PJs, where Juicy's parents were never shown on camera because of the same thing. They were, like, bedridden, and they thought that was hilarious. That's right. That rings a bell. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Ryan Murphy's quiz for this session of Guaranteed Audio. Uh, Kevin, I've been doing plenty of talking. Want to take it away and host some questions? Yeah, let's do that. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with some questions from patrons. All right. It'll be real great. Ah, at long last, the questions from patrons for this episode. 
Every episode of Guaranteed Audio, we take questions over at our Patreon account, which is at guaranteedvideo.com. And we just put up a post and people comment with their questions. So Ryan and Neil, I don't know if you can see the list, but I'm just going to start at the top here. Araya asked, if you guys didn't take the career paths that you're all on now, where do you think you would all be instead? So what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? Neil? Well, I don't know if I have a career path. I've kind of been doing the same thing for like 20 years. So that's a really hard answer to come up with. Uh, but, you know, I probably, I probably, computer sales. I probably would have gotten into programming at some point. I think I maybe, uh, I might have tried to get more into the games industry. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Well, you know, I do, I do a lot of things outside of my regular day job. Uh, and this is a bit short sighted, but I've been thinking about a lot now that we live in the time of the virus <laughs> that, uh, I have recently started flying a drone, doing some video work with my drone. Uh, I love it. I, I find it exciting. I love seeing a radically different perspective than where everyone lives in their day-to-day life. And uh, although I wouldn't want to be a commercial airplane pilot, if things if I had gone down some weird alternate timeline, I could see Ryan Murphy a pilot. Hmm. I like that. We actually didn't bring that up earlier, but yeah, Ryan and I went out last week and did some drone photography around Kingston. There was nobody anywhere, <laughs> so we weren't in danger of getting germs from other people. But yeah, it was really fun just to go around and get an aerial view. I, I, it was fun, very therapeutic. I just got to watch Ryan uh, fly the uh, Mavic Air around. Um, for me, if I wasn't into video production and media in general, I actually studied electrical engineering for four years, and I thought for a long time I was going to be an electrical engineer. I thought I was going to like, you know, just work on electronics and such. Uh, and then I discovered how much I loved video production, and that's all she wrote. Uh, next question. Polly asks, if you could upload your consciousness into a computer after you die, would you? Ryan? Well, there's a wonderfully expensive television program entitled Westworld, which is a hard, hard warning about every reason why you should not do this. Uh, There's also a wonderful episode of Black Mirror, San uh, Junipero, about why you totally should, and because... at the end of the day, uh, you miss it. Like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says, you miss every shot you don't take, so roll the dice. And if you go insane in three days, then eh, it was a good run while you lasted. So I'm going to go with, I've always been more of a miss every shot you don't take. You have to try. Say it lasts for eight seconds and you're just on fire and they just pull the plug. I mean, that's horrible, but Ryan Murphy's got a green light. Yeah. Neil? Uh, I think it would be more like... Um... The wonderful uh, Adult Swim short by Alan Resnick, uh, Live Forever As You Are Now, where it's not a very good simulation of your personality at all. It's just like a, kind of a superficial Q&A with an unconvincing artificial intelligence that, um, uh, that is just a sad reflection of your former self. So I don't, I don't think I would bother. I look at it like, have both of you seen The Prestige? Yes. I'm about to ruin the ending of The Prestige. So skip ahead about 30 seconds. (laughs) Um, I look at it like that, like the ending of that movie, where I wouldn't, if there were any consequences, it wouldn't really be me falling to them. So why not? You know, I I mean, if if copying my consciousness over doesn't hurt, why the hell not? Why wouldn't I do it? So, yeah, sure, why not? Um, Let's pick another question. Good question, Polly. Yeah. Here we go. Carrie Hansen asks... What is the weirdest scar you have, and how did you get it? Hmm. 
Well, good question, Carrie. Uh, number one, I have this dumb little scar on my hand that I got from putting my own hand in my own pocket. That's a boring story. But what <laughs> wait, I... wait, 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 wait. Did you have like a knife in your pocket? Like... Nope. It was a ballpoint pen, and it wasn't even stuck out. <laughs> We're all going to compare scars now, <laughs> like in that scene from Jaws. Like in scene from Jaws. That's right. Yeah. Uh, my weirdest, which actually Kevin and Neil know because they've seen, is on um, my right leg, about four or five inches down from my knee. I have a big mark from where I had a very poorly treated by a bad doctor. Not every doctor is good. Uh, unless the doctors are listening and I need one soon. <laughs> you might. But I was bit by a brown recluse spider. Ooh. And I now have a, a big mark about a discoloration where the hair won't grow and it's just scar tissue. About the size of a quarter. Wow. I didn't know that, actually. I think I've seen the scar, but I didn't know where it came from that. How old were you when that happened? Uh, it was 2015. Yeah. And unfortunately I was bit, uh, around Thanksgiving. And then when I went to go seek treatment to get like on antibiotics, uh, there was a terrible blizzard and I could not afford to start the antibiotics until later because I couldn't have them with food. I couldn't afford to be sick and trapped. So I didn't start the antibiotic regimen until too late. And like, I listen to your doctor. I'm now making, I realize for those of you listening at home, it sounds much more like Ryan screwed up and maybe his doctor was fine. I can assure you, if you'd look this man with, looked him in the eyes in person like I did, he was not a good doctor. <laughs> Anywho, yep, bad doctors, big hole, spiders. I, uh, mine, I guess, would be when I, oh, this is the dumbest scar I have. Because I have, when I was two years old, a dog bit me above my right eye. I was at the beach with my parents and a stranger's dog ran up and just bit me right in the eyebrow, almost blinded me. Um, I have a, I have a scar from that, but the dumbest scar I have was my freshman year of college at Fitchburg State University. I was laying in my dorm asleep and my ankle itched me. So I whacked my ankle into the wall, which was made out of concrete, uh, to itch it. And then a day or two later, I had this bruise inside my foot and it hurt terribly for three days. I couldn't sleep. Uh, and on Thanksgiving morning, my dad had to bring me to the hospital because they had to operate uh, and open up the uh, the bruise. They literally had to relieve the pressure from it. They had to give me morphine. It was Ugh. this whole thing. And I was so embarrassed because they were like, what did you do? Did you like fall down some stairs? Did you get in a fight? And I'm like, no, I just like rubbed my foot against a concrete wall too hard. And like, oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> so... Um, they relieved the pressure and I had to be on crutches for a few days while it healed. And I still have a scar on the bottom of my foot, um, from where they had to cut open and relieve the pressure from it. Because again, I could not sleep. I, I had like a, like an incredible temp, like, like a really high fever from it. I, I didn't know you could do that from bruising your hand or your foot, but I guess you can. Wow. Uh, I, I can't remember if I've told this story about my scar, um, but uh, I do. I have a burn mark on um, my uh, upper arm, and I got it when I was pretty young, probably like four or something. And the sequence of events that happened was this: we were having a cookout out in our yard, um, and it was partially my own fault because I was a little kid. I took these metal tongs and I stuck them in the fire and I left them there or something, or somebody took them out, or something that happened. Nobody realized the tongs were hot. My dad was bringing them indoors, uh, and I was in the living room, and I was messing around with some cats. I was just playing with cats, or annoying them, or doing something I shouldn't do. 
And my dad the totally, cats, yeah. totally playfully just said, hey, Neil, cut it out. He grabbed my arm with the tongs, not realizing they were hot. And I got a burn on my arm. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Your dad's such a sweet guy. That's yeah, terrible. Yeah, he's, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he had to rush me into the hospital because, you know, I had a pretty bad burn on my arm. And uh, he couldn't explain, like, what happened. And... He it was it was a really like I was probably like what it was a real like I'll explain later to my mom kind of you know situation so yeah just uh, I I ended up uh, getting burned on the arm from these like you know like the 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 kind of tongs that have like a like a zigzag you know they're they're like extender tongs oh yeah 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 and then like years later when I was like twenty or something we we were like cleaning up some weeds in the yard and I found the tongs just like laying out in a random part of our yard all rusted. And I uh, I rescued them and I, I had them displayed in my bedroom for a while because uh, those were the tongs that got me. <laughs> that was your white whale. Yeah. Those are the tongs that got me. Uh, that's a good. One. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. story. And I still I still I still have like a little like bubbly patch on my arm. Oh geez. Uh, next question is from Ryan Carroll, and Ryan asks if by some arbitrary arcane contract one item of food had to be shown being eaten in every movie ever made. What item of food would you want that to be? My suggestion would be cowtails, the candy. I because I'm cowtails. I'm just picturing any movie I've ever seen, and then a character like we've all seen Manhunter, right? Yeah, with uh, Brian Cox. Yes. Yeah, you remember when like there's that scene where like like the cop is alone in his room and it's like raining out, <laughs> and there's like purple neon light lighting him. If he's just looking out of the distance, and then he holds up a cowtail and starts eating it. <laughs> I don't know. I think cowtails are funny. That would be my answer. That is a good answer. Uh, for some reason, the thought of... Uh, <laughs> this is from one of our own movies. Uh, the sock sandwich, which I think you came up with, Kevin. Yeah, I'd like the idea of someone eating a sandwich, like two pieces of like Wonder Bread with a sock <laughs> sticking out. I don't know. That's like, real, that's like about as defeated as you can get, yeah. right? Like how much lower can you get? I'd love to see that in every movie. It's like Lethal Weapon. Mel Gibson's eating a sock sandwich while he's like going over clues with Danny Clark. <laughs> well, just like any like serious like Road to Perdition, you know, like Tom Hanks eats a sock sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> Comes into the kitchen. The son's already eating his. No, he's waiting to eat his because Dad's not eating yet. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Mustard. Just going- mustard <laughs> <laughs> it has to be somewhere other straight up or on a food i'm just thinking about there are ways that mustard can be dignified there are ways that mustard is not uh it's got a great color to it there's some good mustard in dumb and dumber yeah that's true i'm picturing like the darkly lit scenes of marlon brando in the godfather and he just has mustard like there's there's a really good mustard scene in the second dumb oh the third dumb and dumber movie where Jim Carrey takes a hot dog and just covers it in way too much mustard and then eats it without eating the bun. He uses the bun to like wipe his face off (laughs) to get the mustard off his face. That movie's terrible, but that joke really got me. Sorry, Ryan, you were saying. No, you see, mustard works. Suddenly mustard has sparked the imagination of the audience. Now, you know how there's like the Stan Lee cameo in every Marvel movie? And when it happens, audiences clap and laugh because they know it's coming and they can't wait to see it happen. <laughs> if mustard was in every movie, how like do you think people would like like be waiting for it and then laugh when they see it? Like, you know, like Star Wars is you know, they're watching a Star Wars movie and then Kylo Ren just drinks a shot of mustard. Do you think everyone laughs 
like because ah that's the mustard scene i knew that was coming like that's like a like it's in every movie like the delta car in every sam raimi movie or do you think they'd get really tired of it and it would just be like a thing that weighs the medium of film down i feel like it would be under these context of i feel like it would be under a context of something terrible happens to you if you don't include mustard like it's like the the twilight zone it's a good place uh where like you like you just have to begrudgingly yeah kylo ren has to eat as much like uh, here's the mustard requirement so it's a tax exempt project yeah. like yeah they're like uh they're, 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 like it's it's often like really pigeonholed in like they just squirt some mustard and like snort it off their hand in the last 30 seconds before credits <laughs> like there there's your mustard i did it yeah. it's like really an afterthought by the end of like yeah we have to yeah i can see yeah scarface accidentally snorts a little mustard whoops <laughs> that's the end of a scene <laughs> ah shit cut to the next scene <laughs> do we want to do one more or are we good i'm trying to think where, what, what's a movie where you couldn't have mustard like uh something that's set in like prehistoric times or something caveman what about that one where ryan reynolds is buried alive in a coffin for the whole movie <laughs> and he's like looking around trying to survive he's like oh there's a packet of mustard okay so you could do mustard in that but what about like um the land before time <laughs> they're just eating mustard leaves. Yeah, yeah. They just have to. <laughs> they have to just go mm, mustard. Like they didn't really mustard lay leaves. it on thick. Like this is mustard. In case that wasn't clear. Littlefoot looks right at the camera. I love mustard. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. <laughs> no, they would just write it into a scene before they get to the factory. Oh yeah, put some mustard on it's that. It's gonna be a movie that you couldn't write mustard into. What about, like, uh, it'd have to be a period piece. No, because people had mustard. Like, I'm picturing the witch, and they're having dinner, and the dad's just, you know, you know, having, like, a bowl of mustard, like, porridge. <laughs> Tis our last of the mustard, Thomason. <laughs> like, I don't, um, like, what about, like, like an anthology movie? It would have to be in each <laughs> segment. Like, Cloud Atlas, there's, like, mustard in every time frame, you know? <laughs> Halle, Halle Berry's character loves mustard. <laughs> Yeah, you really. I, I can't think of a story you couldn't bullshit mustard into. <laughs> uh, Praxabeetle IX says, "Who would be in your dream Bill and Ted style wacky time travel gang? Famous historical figures, a random medieval peasant, someone from the future, and where and when would you go?" Oh, jeez. I mean, I think you kind of wrote it. Like the idea of a random medieval peasant getting taken out of like their feudal system. <laughs> into a time traveling device of some sort seems pretty funny i'd try and rescue people from like the shittiest parts of the past and just like drop them off like and then bring them to like burger king <laughs> that's the movie <laughs> bring them like a hundred years in the future and like oh shit it's worse sorry it's way worse okay we got to go back to 1995 <laughs> where things were okay R ryan do you think like okay let's say i went back and i grabbed like three women that were killed in the Salem witch trials. And I'm like, I'm going to rescue you. And then I brought them to modern day America and I brought them to, let's say Wendy's, right? What do you think the reaction would be to the actual food? Do you think Wendy's food would taste like awful to them? Would it taste like really sweet and really salty in a way that they loved? Like, what's your read on that? Uh, I'm going to go by like the kind of food they actually have at um, Plymouth plantation. Yeah which is, again, almost 100 years before, but still, the technology had not advanced much from one Puritan colony in New England to a different Puritan colony in New England. Yeah, yeah I think between the salts and the sugar, it would just be too much for them. 
it would be too way too rich. Yeah. Uh, my thought, I, I, I this is the first, I was reading these questions before, and uh, again, uh, Praxa Beetle I X, good, good question. Uh, I just would love to get Thomas Edison, Ooh, yeah. bring him to the, mod, to the 21st century, and have him get angry that there's all these electronic things that he doesn't own, and for him <laughs> to show his true colors on like on like CNN or MSNBC of like it's mine of like oh you really feel entitled to own all electricity he's like yes like are you sure the mics are on he's like and they should be my like just to show like what a real I, jerk he was my ancestors should be filthy rich I love the idea of him be- like showing up on Fox News from time to time like well like look tonight we have Thomas Edison on <laughs> just always crossing his arms furrowed brow and angry <laughs> I think Direct current is much better. (laughs) Well, I think that's it for our questions this episode for Guaranteed Audio. Mm -hmm. Kind of a shorter episode, a little lower energy because we're not all in the same room, but I think it was still a fun one nevertheless. Um, Do either of you have messages for folks listening at home? I I know people are going to be consuming a lot more passive entertainment uh, during these uh, troubling times. A lot more podcasts, a lot more Netflix shows, a lot more video games. Uh, what do you do? You have any messages you'd want to send across the airwaves to those listening? Uh, number one, stay in a routine. It's easy to stay up too late. It's easy to sleep in. You you're hopefully if you have a job, you can work from home. Uh, if you're a student, you can also you know do your assignments from home. Staying in a regiment, getting dressed every day, getting showered every day, and getting moving every day. Again, we it, the the coronavirus is not airborne. You can go for a walk. You can walk down the block. Not everyone is lucky enough to have plenty of woods and space or wherever. Yeah, we're very uh, lucky. Yeah, here in New England, we all happen to have the ability to get to some pretty good places to avoid you know, for social distancing. Uh, but and, oh, and of course, don't be racist. This this applies to all of life <laughs> long after the time of the virus has passed. Yeah. Um, yes, the ad- the source of the virus was from China. However, it is not a Chinese virus. It is the world's virus, and the world is going to fix this together. And blaming Chinese people is going to do nothing to help anyone. Uh, but my recommendation is if you are feeling anxiety, if you're feeling just freaked out by the whole thing, uh, I've personally uh, found it kind of calming to seek out uh, doctors and scientists, uh, especially speaking to each other online and kind of peeping in on, you know, people talking shop about, you know, treatments and medicines and and um and you know resource allocation and stuff and you know although it's you know it's scary for everybody it does help to see people who know what they're doing coming up with plans and talking about things that might uh, potentially be really helpful in the in the coming weeks sure sure no that's a good that's a good strategy i hadn't even thought about that like just go to the wisdom that matters yeah uh, yeah check the cdc's website they don't post nonsense they never they've always been very thorough peer reviewed rigorous And yeah, again, stay positive, know that there is an end to this, stay in a routine, stay busy, and uh, yeah, use use simple strategy, set alarms on your phone, make up a schedule, write things down, make lists and check things off as you do them, Uh, and breathe, just take a deep breath. Yeah, to comment what you were saying about having a routine and everything, I've been doing what a lot of people recommend, which is like every morning when I wake up, I still treat it like I'm going to work. Like I wake up, I shave, I shower, you know, and I throw on like an outfit I would wear at the office because it gets my brain in that productive mode that I like to be in. Um, And I stop work at five o'clock, you know, I uh, try to go for a walk. I walk my dog and 
you know, well, not my dog, my family's dog. Uh, and then I get back into like working on guaranteed video and documentary stuff in the evening, play video games at night with my friends. Uh, that's my social hour really uh, late at night. Um, we play a lot of Grand Theft Auto because <laughs> you can kind of do whatever. Any amount of people that jump into Grand Theft Auto is a good time, two or eight or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll do another show in the next couple of weeks because this, um, now that we know how we will do remote podcasts with one another, this wasn't so taxing um, once we got it working. Um, but I don't know. I don't have any sign-offs planned. Usually we have a joke at the end about like a spider eating us or something like that. <laughs> do, we, do we have any note we want to end on? Uh, just, uh, you know, be safe, um, cherish your loved ones, and wash your hands. Sounds good. All right. Take care, folks. Smell you later. Thank you.